Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It is Monday, November 14th, about a half hour away from kickoff between Commanders and Eagles on Monday Night Football to close out week 10. An eventful week 10 thus far, as every week has been the NFL season. This is the pump fake Garrett Bailey with you as always. Uh, a few things to dive into on the Monday edition of the show before the bigger, more broader version of breaking down everything on Wednesday um, before we get into week 11. But two things I definitely want to touch on, uh, the Raiders, the Bills, Jeff Saturday and the Colts, those are what we will be discussing today. And then, like I said, we'll get into a more broader version of everything on, on Wednesday, all the power rank. And, and such like that so uh but there are a few things that i definitely want to touch on today as we get close to Philly. so yesterday this is a new low for the las vegas raiders as a franchise as a franchise i mean these are lows that are remnant of that through the Jamarcus Russell years, that, you know, basically from the 2000s to like mid 2010s when they were just miserably bad. I mean, this is right up there. They're probably more disappointing than a lot of those years because they had a lot of expectations coming into this season. The last year, playoff team, play away from advancing in the playoffs. I mean, the, the game, the Walker game in Cincinnati last year came down to the final play. And then this offseason, they go out, they get a Chandler Jones, they trade for Devontae Adams. And everybody's, you know, expecting, oh my goodness, like this team is, if they're a playoff team last year, you had the best receiver in football. I mean, sky's the limit. Um, hired Josh McDaniels. And I would argue <laughs> that's where the wheels fell off. Because we've seen what Josh McDaniels is as a head coach. We saw it in Denver. This is the second time that he's parlayed being Tom Brady's offensive coordinator into a head coaching gig, and he stunk in both places that he's ended up. It was bad in Denver. Last couple of years in New England, he wasn't very good. I mean, the Cam Newton season wasn't that great. He went 7-9 and nine that year. Even last year, Mac Jones, I mean, the offense wasn't anything prolific. They're a playoff team, but, I mean, if you look back at how, how they got there, the offense wasn't dynamic by any means. Mac Jones wasn't dynamic. I know he's a pro bowler, but you know, let's let's take that with a grain of salt. So Josh McDaniels gets the head coaching job. Everybody's excited about what the season has in store. Obviously, the AFC West went through an arms race in the offseason, just every team adding all the pieces that they could find. And now we are just over 24 hours removed from the Las Vegas Raiders being defeated by an Indianapolis Colts team led by Jeff Saturday, a man who obviously was the center for that team for a very long time, was a very good player, but had never had any sort of coaching experience at the college pro level. They marched in amidst all that controversy that they went through throughout last week, and they defeat Las Vegas in Las Vegas. Now the Raiders are 2-7 and seven and all but done this season. And look, man, Derek Carr cut an emotional press conference after the fact 
yesterday. Um, very emotional. He's crying. He is really choked up, saying that so so much that all a lot of guys are going through just sleep, just practice, and the fact that they are where they are in this season upsets him. It pisses him off. Pisses a lot of people in the locker room off. And all I could think of is that Derek Carr deserves so much better than the Raiders organization. So much better. You look at what he's been through since he's been there. I mean, all the coaching changes, all the injuries that he's gone through personally. Last year with the John Gruden stuff, the Henry Rugg stuff, Rich Bisaccia named the interim head coach. Nobody expected them to make the playoffs, and they did. They went through all that adversity and overcame it. It was a great story. Derek Carr, I mean, Derek Carr was in the MVP conversation for a lot of last year. He threw over a billion yards. And the Raiders were one of the feel-good stories of last season. At least on the field. I mean, they went, like I said, they went through so much last season. There was a big, big black cloud, multiple black clouds following them around all season long. That team had no business being a playoff team. And they overcame it all got into the playoffs in the last week of the season by beating the Chargers, who were a play away from beating the Cincinnati Bengals and advancing in the playoffs. And there's a lot of expectations this season. And when you see a quarterback like that who is, for all accounts, loved by his teammates, respected by his teammates, respected around the league, go through that. And by the way, Derek Carr, good quarterback. Derek Carr, good quarterback. Played well this season. He's being handicapped by everything going on with Josh McDaniels, with that coaching staff, with play calling. And now they're two and seven. And you got your quarterback emotional. And all I can think of is that Derek Carr just deserves better. And I know what you might be thinking. Okay, Mark Davis has got to do something now about Josh McDaniels. And they're two and seven. They just lost to a team with a head coach that's never coached or been an assistant coach at the college or pro level. There's no way that they're not gonna, you know, make some changes with that happening. No way. Well, to address that, here's what Mark Davis, the owner, this is from Paul Gutierrez of ESPN, had to say today, and I quote, people in today's world want instant gratification. The guys coached nine, nine games, referring to Josh McDaniels, were two and seven, not the results we're looking for, but at the same time, we've lost six games where we've had the ball with a chance to win at the end. Seems like a little bit of shade being thrown at Derek Carr from his owner. So when you combine that with the press conference that Derek Carr cut following yesterday's loss to the Colts, Combined with Mark Davis, by the way, Mark Davis, we can all agree that Josh McDaniels should probably be gone after this season. Maybe right now. Mark Davis isn't firing Josh McDaniels after this season. You know why? Because he's already paying a boatload of money for John, for John Gruden to not be there. He isn't going to do the same thing to Josh McDaniels. This is basically Mark Davis saying, look, I'm already paying John Gruden. I'm not firing Josh McDaniels yet and having to pay three different guys at the same time. And look, 
we can be irritated at that. We can say that that's BS. It's money. It's business. I would be very shocked if Josh McDaniels is go- the Raiders could lose out to two and fifteen, and Josh McDaniels could still be back next year. It wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Mark Davis doesn't want to cut out that kind of money. Remember, John Gruden had a ten-year, hundred million dollar deal. Uh, he's still going to getting. He's still going to be getting paid for it. Mark Davis isn't going to fire Josh McDaniels, who has, I'm not sure the the number of guaranteed money in his contract, but there's obviously some there. He isn't going to fire Josh McDaniels right now. Hire another coach this offseason. And be paying three guys. And if you're Derek Carr and you see those comments, there's no reason that he would want to stay there, that he should want to stay there. This is a talented guy that would be an upgrade over a good amount of teams' quarterback situations right now. Ask Atlanta if they'd like to have a Derek Carr. I'm sure that they would. Ask Carolina if they would like to have a Derek Carr. I'm sure that they would. Ask Pittsburgh if they would like to have a Derek Carr. I'm sure that they would. There's a lot of teams that would love to have Derek Carr. It seems like New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans has a fantastic defense when they're healthy. It was a darling coming into the season by a lot of media members. Peter King said that he liked them to make the Super Bowl with Jameis Winston as their starter going into the year. You don't think New Orleans wouldn't mind having Derek Carr over Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton? You don't think that Detroit would prefer to have Derek Carr over Jerry Goff this season? Derek Carr deserves better than the Las Vegas Raiders. And especially with the Raiders. Hiring Josh McDaniels is such a Raiders hire, too. And he'll be there at least one more year. This isn't going to be a one and done. I would be very shocked with the one and done situation. It should be. I would be shocked with it. Derek Carter deserves better. I'd be very shocked if he's back with the Raiders next season. And I'm sure a few of those aforementioned teams will be in the mix for him in terms of executing a trade. But Derek Carter is better than a team that's two and seven with a bad head coach and an owner who doesn't seem to care. So shifting gears to the other side of that game from yesterday, the Indianapolis Colts Look, we know what happened. I mean, it was all Jeff Saturday gets hired. Had his touch on a little bit. Never coaching at the college pro level. And then he wins his first game. And he announced it was expected that Sam Ellinger was going to be his quarterback. And then he says, no, Matt Ryan. He's starting today. And Matt Ryan goes out and plays well. Has the second longest run of any quarterback this uh this past week of 39 yards. I can only do Justin Fields. There was a touchdown pass to Paris Campbell in the fourth quarter to give the Colts the lead. And they hold on. <laughs> and the Colts 
are one and zero under Jeff Saturday. And by the way, if you haven't seen the video of the locker room and the speech that uh, Jeff Saturday gave, I highly suggest you go watch it. You can find it on Twitter, YouTube, however you want to find it. Go watch it. It is a very it, it, it's a nice scene. And I don't want this to sound like I'm piling on uh, Jeff Saturday because I even I tweeted out like, look, we're crapping a little bit too much on Jeff Saturday. Because if any of us were called by Jim Irsay and say, hey, I want you to be the, the coach of the Colts for the rest of the year, all of us would have been on the first plane to Indianapolis to accept the job. So I don't blame Jeff Saturday for that. I know that there was something like Joe Thomas, Bill Cower, um, two guys who I like and respect, um, were, were angry about it. And angry, it seemed, at Jeff Saturday. I, I'm not one of those people because I get it. You know, if you're presented with an opportunity, you're going to take it. And anybody who says, no, I wouldn't take it, you're lying. You're lying to me. You're lying to everybody that you're saying that to. You're lying to yourself. Anybody who would have been presented the opportunity to be the head coach, interim albeit, interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts would have said yes. Jeff Saturday is no different. He said yes, took the job, and just took all of the scrutiny on the chin. Now, Jim Irsay had a lot to say about it on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if anybody saw his tweet. I'll have to pull it up. Um, but this is all basically said good for Jeff Saturday. I will say this. And that's why I wanted to preempt this with, you know, this isn't the crap on Jeff Saturday. But I, I do want to say this. It does concern. If Jeff Saturday has success throughout the rest of the season, and is named the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, which again, you know, Jeff has said that, you know, or maybe it wasn't Jeff, I think Joe Thomas had said that he personally didn't want to get into coaching because he wanted to spend time with his kids. And I think that Jeff had been offered an assistant coaching job with the Colts and said no because, you know, he wanted to spend time with his kids. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be up to Jeff Saturday if that situation does arise, if he does want to accept the job on a full-time basis. Regardless, I do worry that if Jeff Saturday does have success and does get the full-time head coaching job of the Indianapolis Colts, what the ripple effect could be around the NFL. Because there will be teams, obviously, this offseason looking for new head coaches. And I'm not saying that it'll happen this year. But I would be surprised if in the next couple years, if we get a team who goes through something similar that Indianapolis has this year, where they fire their coach midseason, and instead of hiring from within one of the coaches on the staff, they look outside and bring in a former player. Like, let's say, you know, just as an example, if the Raiders were to fire Josh McDaniels next year, and instead, of hiring one of the coaches that they already have on their staff, Mark Davis calls Charles Woodson and says, hey, I want to make you the interim head coach. Because that isn't something that should become a norm. Again, this isn't crap on Jeff Satter whatsoever. But there is a possible ripple effect here if he is successful. And I know that sounds like I'm rooting against the success of Jeff Saturday, which 
I understand the language I'm presenting. It, it's hard to not make it sound like that. I'm not trying to say I'm rooting against the Colts. I'm not trying to say I'm rooting against Jeff Saturday. I am just trying to say that that is a ripple effect that we should not. But if Saturday has success and gets the full-time job, I mean, if you're a team like Carolina, if they call it Moose and Muhammad, they're like, hey, we want to make you the head coach. If David Tepper calls Moose and Muhammad or Julius Peppers and is like, hey, you know, we've got guys on this staff who've been head coaches before. We've got guys that are probably deserving of the opportunity to try their hand at being a head coach. Oh, the guy that we, that we had that we have right now, Steve Wilkes, he's doing a pretty okay job. However, we want you, Julius Peppers, to be our new head coach. It's not a good look. And we saw the scrutiny that came with the Saturday hiring. I mean, imagine that on multiple other levels with multiple other teams. Especially if we've got minority coaches that are in line possibly get these jobs and are interviewed for these jobs and they're passed over for a guy who hasn't coached. Especially uh, in a lot of the situation, if it's a white player who hasn't coached. Like that's going to draw up a lot. Of, like if, if you're Byron Leftwich and you're in line to get one of these soon to be vacant head coaching jobs, like let's say it's a Carolina and they hire Luke Peakley there's going to be a lot of pissed off people about that. To hire a guy who, yes, is beloved by the fan base, is a great player, and coach. Not to say that he can't be good at it, or won't be good at it, but there's a qualifications gap there. Like, if you're asking me who deserves to be the coach, in, in this, you know, fake scenario that, you know, we don't know that will happen. But in that situation, like, if you ask me who deserves to be the coach more, it's obviously Byron Leftwich. He's been the OC in Tampa Bay the past few seasons. He's done a very good job at doing so. Had a few head coaching interviews last year or coming into this season, um, in particular with Jacksonville, the team that he spent most of his career with as the quarterback. So if there's situations like that where we have teams who need a head coach and instead of hiring somebody who's been an assistant or you know a coordinator of some sort who's put in the time and is deserving of a head coaching job, like a guy like D'Amico Ryans in San Francisco, now, there's a lot of murmurs that he might get the, the Minnesota job coming into the season. They gave it to Kevin O'Connell, obviously, and D'Amico decided to stay in San Francisco for the year. And it's all but guaranteed he's going to get a head coaching job. Like, if if he's in line to get the Carolina job and they were to hire a former player, it's bad, it's horrible. For a guy who's very deserving, has done a really good job the past couple seasons as the 49ers defensive coordinator. If they were to go in a direction of, look, <laughs> we've got D'Amico Ryans or we've got Luke Keekly. Yeah, the fans might get pretty hyped that Luke Keekly's the head coach. 
but he's also doesn't meet the qualifications. He doesn't have the resume in terms of coaching that D'Amico Ryan does. So that is something that does worry me about you know if Jeff Saturday does continue to have success. That teams are going to look at that and say, huh, you know, maybe we shouldn't look at offensive corners, defensive corners from around the league. Maybe we should just look at guys who used to play here. And again, I'm not wishing any sort of bad luck on Jeff Saturday. I got nothing bad to say about Jeff Saturday. I wish him success. I really do. And again, I was one of the I tweeted out saying, look, look, we're crapping on Jeff Saturday too much because if any of us were presented with the opportunity, we would accept the job. And if you say you wouldn't, you're lying. But, you know, I can say that and I can be happy for Jeff Saturday, but also be worried about the possible ramifications if he does have success. Doesn't mean I'm rooting for him to fail, but I am rooting for teams to not look at that and make it the new model because that is not fair to the guys who have put in the work years and years as coordinators, especially, to work their way up to positions to try to earn a head coaching job only to get passed over for a guy that used to play for the organization. That is something that I would have a problem with. And that's, a, that's something that a lot of people had a problem with with the, with the Saturday signing because the Colts have multiple guys on their staff who used to be head coaches or were in line to get a chance to be a head coach. Now, the, the prime example that people used was, okay, if they wanted to hire a legend of the team, Reggie Wayne is on the staff. He's a wide receiver coach. And if they wanted a guy who's had head coaching experience, okay, well, John Fox is on the staff. Gus Bradley's on the staff. They have multiple assistants who have been there forever and would love a chance to try to, you know, try their hand at being a head coach and prove that they can do it. So that, that's a ripple effect I don't want to see. And that no one should want to see. Because this is very much a lifestyle being an NFL coach. And the fact that somebody could work at it for so long and deserve a chance to be a head coach only to get passed up for a legend of an organization, that doesn't sit right. It's something that we should all root against. Doesn't mean we got to root against Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts, but the possible ripple effect that could come after it, that's something that none of us would want to see. All right. So, on to the Buffalo Bills. Because the Bills Mafia seems to be freaking out a little bit. And you know what? Rightfully so. Now, the Buffalo Bills are still one of, if not still the best team in football. Because at their best, they are very deep on both sides of the ball. They're hard to stop offensively. Really, the only team that seems to be able to beat the Buffalo Bills is the Buffalo Bills. Against Miami, you know, if they, if Josh Allen doesn't underthrow Isaiah McKenzie in the end zone, if they don't miss a field goal, also, it wasn't, you know, 108 degrees. I'm sure that, you know, a lot of those factors contribute into them losing to Miami. And also, Miami played well. I'm not trying to take that away from Miami. Miami played well. Especially 30. Against the Jets, 
If you don't turn the ball over, like Josh Allen didn't play well that day. And then against Minnesota, you're up by 17. And you don't score a touchdown in the second half. By the way, they haven't scored a second half touchdown since the Chiefs game. The Buffalo Bills are still very much one of the best teams in the league. And this could turn out to be a blessing in disguise. Because every great team, and I full, wholeheartedly believe this, needs to have some sort of adversity in the year. Look at the past two Super Bowl champions. Look at the past three, really. Look at any team. <laughs> any great team didn't have it scot-free easy all season long. You look at any Super Bowl champion, they had to go, they had to go through some stuff. Last year, the Rams didn't win in November. Then they won the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay lost three of four in 2020. They got beat 38 to three on Sunday Night Football. Remember that? At home to Drew Brees and the Saints. Everybody's like, all right, well, the Buccaneers have done their seven and five. What the hell are they going to do? And then they didn't lose the rest of the year. The year before that, Patrick Mahomes missed a couple games. He's still in the Super Bowl. We can keep going. I mean, 2005, the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger missed four games. The Steelers were seven and five. They had to win out to get into the playoffs, and they did that, and they won the Super Bowl. Won three consecutive road playoff games to do it. Great teams, all great teams have to go through. Like I wholeheartedly believe, if you don't go through adversity in the regular season, like. 2019 Ravens are a great example of this. Baltimore went 14 and 2. Lamar, in his first four years as starter, was fantastic. They really didn't go through anything that year. Yeah, they lost two games, but I mean, you know, not having a perfect season doesn't mean that you went through adversity. They didn't go through anything that year. And then what happened? They got a first round bye, came out at home against Tennessee, and fell absolutely flat on their face. Because Tennessee, at the time, figured out a blueprint to beat Baltimore. It was like, okay, we're just going to send the house on the first two plays and then set up in third and longs and make Lamar throw the ball. Lamar's gotten much better as a passer since then. But at the time, I mean, Kansas City did it too. Pittsburgh did it. Hey, we can set up Baltimore in third and longs. We'll win the game. If we can get up by 10, we'll win. They aren't, they aren't a team that's built to come back. They're a team that's, you know, that's, they're built to get ahead and coast. So, Buffalo, Bills Mafia, take a deep breath. Because no great team has ever not gone through something. And yeah, look, it sucks to be up 17 in the second half and lose. Especially in the way that they did. After a goal line stand, to have your center muff the snap at the goal line. Yeah, it's a crap way to lose. And yeah. Josh Allen threw a horrendous interception in overtime. And they have some things that they need to figure out. Where they need to be okay with the layoffs offensively. They need to be okay with the short pass, you know, three yards downfield to pick up eight yards. They need to understand that not every play is going to be a home run ball. But without the adversity telling them that, wouldn't you rather learn that in week 10 than in the AFC Championship game again and lose to Mahomes again? 
wouldn't you rather get slapped in the face in the regular season while still being a playoff team, still being six and three, still being a half game within the division with an easy schedule, by the way? I mean, their next two games are against Cleveland and Detroit. And then here in a few weeks, they welcome Miami into Buffalo for the rematch, which looks like a good deal for the division. Wouldn't you rather get slapped in the face now? Kind of have to, you know, take your medicine, eat it, and move on and try to get better rather than, you know, go through this season with zero sort of issues, get to the playoffs with issues that are there that have never peaked their ugly head and are unresolved from delight against Kansas City and go down again. Because everybody counted out the Rams last year after they lost three consecutive games. What'd they do? They said, okay, you know what? Let's fix this. Odell, <laughs> we're going to get you. We're going to get Von Miller. And we're going to fix this offense. Two years prior. I mean, Brady's first year at the Bucks. There was some growing pains there. COVID year two. 38-3 loss to the Saints. Sitting at 7-5, everybody's like, okay, what are the Bucks? What can they do? And then they didn't lose again. Every great team goes through something. Buffalo's no different. And look, they're still going to be here in January. They're going to have a deep playoff run. We're likely going to see another iteration of Bill's Chiefs in the playoffs. And if it's in Buffalo, then great. But if it's not, it's not an excuse anymore. Wherever this game is played, you got to win. You already won an Arrowhead. Yeah, they won an Arrowhead last regular season, too. And they were 13 seconds away from doing it again. So, yeah, there are things that Buffalo needs to address. One, their second-half defense. The fact that they need to understand that not every play on offense is going to be a home run. But wouldn't you rather figure that out now? Get hit in the face now in week 10 rather than in the AFC Championship game and realize, oh crap, we actually do have issues and we didn't do anything to solve them because they never came to light. Because we were a team without flaws, or so we thought. And yes, you can be angry, Bill Stanton. That's a crappy way to lose. You lost two straight. But guess what? You got Buffalo, or you got Cleveland and Detroit. The next two games. Or Detroit and Cleveland. I think it's Detroit this coming week, Cleveland the following week. Those are two get right games. I fully expect Buffalo to win by 30 against the Lions. A pissed off Bills team going up against the Lions team that's riding high after winning two straight games. Two straight games that were handed to them on a silver platter, by the way. A Lions team that isn't very good. With a pissed-off Josh Allen, a pissed-off Von Miller, a pissed-off Stephon Diggs. I fully expect them to wake up for that game, play four quarters of the Buffalo Bills that we know that they are, and run through the lines. And I expect a lot of the same the following week against Cleveland. I would not want to be Jacoby Brissett that game. I don't want to be Jared Goff this coming week. And then look at that. You're eight and three. 
Maybe back on top of the division because, I mean, uh, I touched on it already. They got an easy schedule the rest of the way. Now compare that to that of the Miami Dolphins, who do not have nearly as easy a schedule the rest of the week. So, Buffalo remaining schedule. They're at home against Cleveland next week. So, I did get this one. So, they're at home against Cleveland this coming week, at Detroit the following week, at New England, home for the Jets. I think they win all four of those. I think they're 10-3. and three. And then Miami comes to Buffalo. If you're sitting at 10 and 3, I mean, that's a hell of a place to be. Then you look at the Miami Dolphins, the rest of their schedule. This week they got Houston. They should win that game at home. Then they go to San Francisco. I don't think they beat San Francisco in San Francisco. Then they go to Los Angeles to face the Chargers. That's not a gimme either. So, I mean, Miami could go two and one, one and two over their next three. They go one and two. I mean, they're eight and five. And if you beat them at eight and five and you're 10 and three, guess what? Division's on ice. Even if they're nine and four, you beat them, you get two, two games ahead. Division is all but on ice. Especially because, I mean, after the Miami game, you want me to read off the rest of the Bills schedule? After the Miami game, at Chicago, at Cincy, home for New England. I don't think they lose more than one of those. They ain't losing to Chicago. If you want to say they'll lose in Cincinnati, that'll be their toughest remaining game, obviously. So that one's that one's you know definitely possible loss. They're not losing to New England. Not losing to New England. At worst, the Bills are going to be twelve and five. Miami Dolphins. And after the Bills, this is the Dolphins' next. Four games. So we already touched Houston. I think they win that, get them to eight and three. And then at San Francisco, eight and four. At Chargers, possibly eight and five. At Bills, I think eight and six. We'll say eight and six, nine and five. And then Green Bay, I don't want to play the Packers. And then two New England. And then closing with the Jets. I mean, Buffalo definitely has an easier road the rest of the way than Miami. I think the Bills still win the division. I think they're still the best team in that division. I still think they're the best team in football. They got some stuff to get right. I think they do get it right. And it's better to find out now that, hey, we need to fix this in week 10 than it is to find out in the playoffs when, hey, it's do or die. So, all right. Kickoff about to happen for Washington, Philadelphia on um, Monday Night Football. We'll be back Wednesday. Newsletter also comes out Wednesday, so we'll touch a little bit on the newsletter as well. What I cover in that. And get you ready for Thursday Night Football as we head into Week 11. Thanksgiving is next week, folks. I'm going to have to get Verderam on. Talk a little bit about Thanksgiving plates and foods and whatnot and Christmas movies. Uh, this next one, we did a space was last night. Two nights ago. Two nights ago. Yeah. Two nights ago, Verderam and I did a space and we did a little bit of, uh, after the football talk, talked about Thanksgiving and Christmas. So we'll do that on this show rather than on a Twitter space. Um, so yeah, we'll get Verderam on for week 11. I was obviously talk about, you know, the slate and stuff going on around the league. 
but yeah, we'll definitely talk some, some Thanksgiving stuff too because it's nice to uh, have that as well. But regardless, appreciate y'all listening. Back Wednesday, enjoy Commanders and Eagles. I took Commanders plus 11 and a half. Had a good day of betting yesterday, aside from the same game parlay I had on Chargers 49ers last night. So we'll see how that goes. Appreciate y'all tuning in. See you Wednesday. It's a fun pick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 